0: I'm looking forward to enjoying the Word of God with you today. Man, it's been a good day in the Word, and I hope and pray that you're ready to hear from the Lord today. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a uh, Discover Red Bank class on Zoom. That These are for folks that are interested in joining our church or ready to join the church or... We share our vision in that class, we talk about what is expected of church members and what church members can expect from the church, and we take questions. And one of the questions that was asked of me was from a new couple, new to our city, new to our church, and the wife asked me uh, something like this. question was pretty much, how do y'all handle the Lord's Supper? Well, I took that question and I ran with it like Alvin Kamara rushing for touchdown number six on Christmas Day. I took off. And I waxed eloquent just the doctrine of the ordinance known as the Lord's Supper. And I talked about how we do it and why we do it that way. And it was a five-minute discourse. And when I finished, I was proud of myself. And I said, okay, does that answer your question in regards to how we handle the Lord's Supper? And the wife said, no, not really. I just wanted to know... Uh, what safety measures y'all are taking uh, when you partake of the Lord's Supper during COVID-19. So that's a huge swing and miss on my part. (laughs) I miss that totally and completely. Have have you ever done that? Have you ever given way too much information of of, of a simple question? You ever done that? (laughs) Give way too long of an answer? Well, Jesus in Matthew 24, he's asked a question. And the question that he is asked gets a long answer. Now, please hear me. Jesus doesn't give too long of an answer. We wish he'd have given us more information, not less. But this answer spans the whole chapter of 24 and the whole chapter of 25. It's it's a significant answer. In fact, it's the longest answer Jesus ever gave to any question he was ever asked. And the question is in Matthew 24, verse 3 somebody say three. Here it is right here. Here's the question. From his disciples to the Lord Jesus they ask him, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? So in other words, it's a question that we're still asking today. How close are we to the end of the world? How many of you would like to know that answer? How close are we to the end? Right? I mean, it's a question we're still asking today that his disciples ask on that day. And so what I want to speak to you about today is a subject, the end is nearer now than ever. The end is nearer now, right now, today than ever before. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to read the whole, both of these chapters. We're going to focus on three verses, kind of a summation of Jesus's answer. We find it in verse 29, 30, and 31 in Matthew 24. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're at home and you're there worshiping with us online, give a thumbs up on the chat. Let us know you're there. If you don't have the scripture out, it'll be on the screen, obviously. So here we go. Matthew 24, verse 29, verse 30, verse 31. Verse 29 reads this way. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call. And oh my, check this out. They will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Lord, I think I heard a, a hallelujah in here as we were reading the text. And Lord, we echo that hallelujah uh, to this truth that is penned for us in your word, recorded for us, for us, even today. Lord, we know that When we open your word, uh, we believe. We just sang what we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is among us today. We we believe the Holy Spirit's going to teach us today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you take this text and unpack it in our hearts? Challenge us, convict us. Bring us to the point of decision today for you and for your kingdom. Encourage us. In your word, in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, all right, here's our takeaway real quick. Jesus has come, and he is coming. Okay, that's an overarching truth we're going to think on this morning. Jesus has come, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, and he is coming. He is coming. And so, under that umbrella of truth, we've got four implications I want to pull right out of these verses. The first two come out of verse 29, so we're going to split that verse But here's the first implication of the truth that Jesus has come and is coming. How does that apply to me today? What is the implication for me in the year 2021? Here's the first implication. Jesus' church has not been forsaken. Amen? Christ has not forsaken His church. Look how this is unfolded for us. According to Matthew's account, immediately, Jesus says, after the tribulation of those days. The word immediately should jump off the page. It means at once, right away, straight away, forthwith. It means to quick, it's, it's a quick rescue from danger. Think of it as a point of, of time immediately subsequent to a previous point of time. In other words, God is concisely and very clearly laying out for us the fact that Jesus' sudden return will be soon, it will be sure, and it will be seen. He lays out for us the sequence of events. He, he gives us the timing of this, which is fascinating to me. He tells us the timing of the second coming, immediately after the tribulation. That's dealing with timing. There is a point in time on God's calendar that he has circled that the tribulation will start, it will end, and the second coming will happen. I know when you get a text message on your phone, I know I I do this, when you get a text message, uh, you respond, right? And, And generally there's two universal speeds by which we respond to text messages. Again, I said generally speaking. If you receive a text message, generally speaking, you're going to respond with two, one of two universal speeds. One of them is immediately. You get a text, you're going to immediately respond. The second one is never. You're never going to respond, right? Immediately or never. Well, praise God, it doesn't say never, that Jesus will never return. Praise God for that. It doesn't say that. So it doesn't see Jesus will never return. It says immediately after the tribulation of those days, Christ will come. So here's the why is it then, church? If the Bible tells us, since the Bible tells us, that Jesus' return will immediately follow the tribulation, why are we living, church, as if Christ will never return? Why are we living that way? Immediately, at once, Christ will return after the tribulation. Now the tribulation, this is speaking of what you can read about in detail in the book of Revelation. The, the tribulation, the great tribulation, the seven trumpets, seven sealed judgments, all those. It's, just, it's horrifying and it's terrifying to read through it. And that's what this is talking about. At the end of that time of trouble... So get the picture here. You have this great tribulation period, and when it ends, a second coming. So let's deal with the rapture question. Let's deal with, okay, the rapture and the second coming. Are these two events one and the same, or are they different? I'm going to give you my stance on what I believe about the rapture and the second coming. But before I do that, let me say there's room for debate here. Okay, I've got dear brothers and sisters in Christ that don't believe like I do on the details of the of the end times and the second coming, and that's fine. And the reason why it's fine is there's no one passage of Scripture that gives us all the information. There's different texts with different pictures of Christ's coming, and we've got to piece all that together. So my I hold to the position of a pre-tribulation rapture view that's my position and those of us who believe that way believe the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation if you're looking for a place in scripture between revelation 4 and revelation 5 the rapture uh, could very well be in that time frame and i believe that will happen before the tribulation that the dead in christ will be raised Those living believers will be lifted off the earth. We'll meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture before the tribulation. Then we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ in heaven. We'll give an account for the works we do in the Lord. And then immediately following that, we'll be ushered into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse number 9. So understand, you have the rapture. You have the the judgment seat of Christ. Then you have the marriage supper of the Lamb. As one of my pastor friends has said, after we're raptured and after we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're ushered into the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to party like it's Revelation 99. There's going to be a throwdown down party going on in heaven. While that's happening, there'll be seven years of tribulation on the earth. You don't want to be here for that. That will be brutal. Seven, three and a half years, the Antichrist will be the most beloved creature on earth for the next three and a half years will be the most hated creature on earth then after the tribulation the second coming christ comes sets up his millennial kingdom a thousand year reign satan will be thrown into the abyss at the end of that reign he'll be loosed one last rebellion thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever so obviously a pre-trib rapture view holds these two different events as two different events think of them like this at the rapture Jesus is coming for his saints. At the second coming, we're coming with him. He's coming with his saints. The rapture takes place in the air. The second coming happens on the earth. Think about the rapture as his his followers are going from earth to heaven in the rapture. The second coming, we're we're going from heaven to earth. He comes at the rapture to reward his people. He comes at the second coming to judge the earth. Uh, the, The rapture occurs before the tribulation. Second coming after the tribulation. Here's the bottom line. There's no signs for the rapture to happen. The rapture can happen at any time. There's no signs that are going to happen. People are just going to be raptured. The second coming, there's many signs of the second coming, not for the rapture. If the rapture were to occur at a women's retreat, for example, it might look something like this. Okay? (laughs) Maybe. It can happen at any time is my point. I'm the last person to talk about anybody's shoes. I know that I own way too many shoes. No man should own as many shoes as I do, and I know that's on me. But the second coming of Christ, you know, one of the most popular topics of sermons at the end of the year or the beginning of the year is the second coming because it completes the advent of Christmas. It ties the first and the second coming together, but one of the most practical reasons why pastors preach at the end of the year, first of the year on the second coming is it's when the church most looks like the rapture has occurred. It's the least attended Sundays of the year. Nobody's there, so don't panic. I don't think we've missed the rapture. I look at some of you and I question if we have. I look in the mirror and question if we have, but no, we have not missed the rapture. Okay, We have not missed it yet. I don't want you to miss it at all. And I'll be the first one to admit there is no text that says, yes, Christ is going to rapture his church before the tribulation. That's not in the Bible. You're not going to find that in Scripture where it clearly says that. So, again, you don't have to believe the way I do on the details of his coming, but you better believe that Jesus is coming. You better believe that. And notice the good news here. He comes after, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So that seven year of tribulation, that's seven years. Meaning it has an end to it. Meaning that the biggest trouble of all trouble is in big trouble. Because it's going to come to an end. And so if the trouble of all troubles is going to come to an end, then surely your trouble and my trouble and our trouble will come to an end in other words, Christ has not forsaken us. He has not forsaken his church. He has not. And he will not. He never will. Now, quite honestly, the church through history has forsaken Christ. Oh, will forsake Christ, but he will never forsake us. I don't know if you stayed up all night on New Year's Eve to say goodbye to 2020 or hello to 2021 I don't know but just because we turn a calendar in a page doesn't mean our trouble ceases doesn't mean our trouble disappears it doesn't mean we won't face pain and suffering and separation and and, and death and and all those things we faced last year that we're going to face this year it doesn't mean that at all in fact I don't know if it bothers anybody else but but when you say when you say the year 2021 It sounds like this. It sounds like 2020 won. Right? But 2020 didn't win. Didn't win. Christ wins. He's always won and he'll always win. So don't lose heart. Christ has not forsaken you. And I want you to understand this. So so let me... Let me help you in this way. Because when you read this, if you go to Revelation and read this, you're going to be scared to death. It's terrifying. But if we can understand that when Christ came the first time, he came into our brokenness. He came to sympathize with us. He came to be tempted in every way. that You and I are yet without sin. He came into our suffering. He came into our brokenness. Into our misery, our grief, our loneliness. He came into it. And his second coming, he's coming to bring an end to it. He's bringing an end to suffering. He's bringing an end to loneliness, an end to separation, an end to misery, an end to our brokenness when he comes a second time. He's not forsaking you. I want to prove it to you in another text. Go to the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28. Go to the very end of the book, the very last verse in the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, verse number 20. This is known as the Great Commission passage. And I've taught this passage for as long as I've been pastoring. That there is one imperative command. Make disciples. The going here is a participle. The teaching is a participle. The baptizing is a participle. It's not an imperative command. And I've taught that. Make disciples. I've heard it taught that way. I heard it preached that way. Make disciples. That's the command. Make disciples. But you know there's a second command in this text. You know there's a second imperative that I've missed all these years. It was brought to my attention recently. And I've just missed it. The second imperative is in the very last part of verse number 20. And behold. Somebody say behold. behold. That word is an imperative verb. It is a command for you and I to behold. It's not, hey, y'all check this out and look over here. No, it's a command to, uh, hey, look, see, behold, behold. What are we commanded to hold on to? This is what we're commanded to hold on to. I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a command that we know and see and behold that God is with us. He has not forsaken his church. Don't fall for the lies of the world and the enemy. He has not forsaken his church. Be encouraged, church. Uh, Implication number two, back to Matthew 24. Jesus' creation will be shaken. There is coming a day when God is going to take this planet and he's going to shake it like a baby who is is shaking from a high fever. And he's going to shake this planet and he's going to say enough is enough. That day is coming. And again, it's terrifying if you if, if you view verse 29 as just words on a page it won't do very much but if you consider this is the true word of God who how terrifying it is look at this the sun will be darkened God's going to turn the sun off and the moon will not give its light so he's going to turn the moon and the sun off uh, take, take your cell phone if, if you're in person or online. Take out your cell phone and turn on that light, that, that little light back there. Turn your light on at home. If you have it on in here, can you wave it at me? Yeah, you got your little light on, right? You got the little flashlight on. So, what I want you to do once you find it and get it turned on, I, I want you to see how effortlessly it is for you to just turn that off. Right? You see how, see how that, did that take you a lot of effort to turn that on and off? With less effort than that, with less effort than that, God Almighty is going to turn the sun off. He's going to turn the moon off. Now, if it was just only one of those events that were occurring or will occur, then CNN and Fox News and Discovery Channel, they'd they'd explain it away as some phenomenon, strange phenomenon. But note, it's not just one thing that's going to happen. You've got the sun darkened. You've got the moon not giving its light, according to verse 29. You've got stars that will fall from heaven. Can you imagine that? The stars all at one time falling from heaven? it makes make Haley's Comet look like two Boy Scouts rubbing sticks together to get a spark. It's going to be a firework show of the lights we've never seen. Now, when we think about stars, I want you to consider the sun is a star, right? In fact, I got a picture of Venus, the planet Venus passing in front of the sun. This, I think it was taken in 2012, that little black spot is a planet passing in front of the sun. So you look at the sun and say, yeah, hey, that's a pretty big star, right? I mean, that's pretty big, but I want you to see how small the sun is in comparison to one of the biggest stars that we know of in the universe. So there's the sun, that little dot is the sun and that is U.S. Katai is a star, one of the largest stars we are aware of. Can you imagine these stars falling from heaven? Sun darkened, moon darkened, not giving light these stars falling from heaven. The powers, I don't don't know exactly what the powers are here uh, but they're going to be shaken. Uh, They're going to be overcome by the all-powerful Lord because they're under the feet of our Lord. Luke's gospel paints the picture like this, and there'll be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Can you imagine how out of control chaotic the oceans are going to be when there's no moonlight, no sun? Can you imagine? People fainting, expiring, they stop breathing with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And in the Old Testament even talks about this day in Zechariah 14. On that day there shall be no light, cold or frost. And there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day or night, but at evening time there shall be light. Whatever this cosmic upheaval is going to be, My glory. It'll make everything else we've ever seen look amateurish compared to what God is going to do. So you need to understand no matter the world says this about the universe and that about the universe. Listen, the universe had a definite beginning, it will have a definite end. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, they're not going to last. But God's word is going to stand forever. The very word of God that sustains all of his creation. That very word God spoke and said, let there be light. That word will last forever. His word that spoke us into existence is going to last forever. So stand on his truth. Stand on his word. Now listen, you may hear this message and think, man, this guy's lost his mind. I mean, this is a fairy tale, if anything. There's no way the sun's going to stop shining. It's been shining. For, it's been doing this every day for centuries. It's not just going to stop. It's going to continue to do what it's always done. And yes, it will continue until the day it doesn't. And on that day, Christ is coming. You can disagree with the Bible all you want to. That's fine. You're still wrong and the Bible's still right. Every jot and tittle in the Word of God Is the truth without any mixture of error whatsoever? It doesn't matter if many people believe God's word, if few people believe God's word, if no one believes God's word, Jesus is coming again. He is coming. Here's where it gets really good (laughs) creation is going to be shaken. Okay, But the good news is, you and me, men and women, boys and girls, created in the image of God, we don't have to be shaken. We can be saved. Okay? What? Yes, we can be saved. And and just think about Abraham. He believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. He he, he was saved. He wasn't shaken. And and listen, you may say, well, I believe in God. That's great. The the demons believe in God and shudder. But do you believe God? There's a difference in believing in him and believing him. Do you believe his word? Do you believe this is really going to happen? Good news for his most prized possession You and I, we don't have to be shaken. We can be saved. And I pray that you've taken that step. If not, we're going to give you an opportunity here in a few minutes. Here's the third implication. We've got to keep moving here. Number three, Jesus' coming will be unmistaken. Unmistaken. You will not be able to mistake when Christ comes again. I can say it like this. No one will be oblivious on that day because Jesus' coming will be obvious. It will be so obvious. Uh, Verse 30 reads this way. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Well, you say, well, what is the sign of the Son of Man? Keep reading. It tells us what the sign is. The sign is they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is the sign. The sign of the Son of Man is the Son of Man himself as he comes and appears in great glory and great power. It's fascinating to me that God tells us right here, then will appear. Now, we get focused on the when. We want to know when. When, God. We want to know how long, God. We want to know a day, a time. We want to know when is God coming. We, we miss the then because we're focused on the when. We want to know when he's coming. And, man, too many to mention have predicted the second coming of Christ and so far, they've all been mistaken, because Christ is yet to come again. But make no mistake about it, he is coming. One of the earliest, a Roman clergyman predicted Jesus would return in AD 500. AD 500, goes all the way back to the that, hey, Christ is going to come in AD 500. He was mistaken, Christ didn't come. Most recent has been in the 2000s. That Christ would come and so many in between. One guy in particular, he, he predicted the Lord would come in 1992. His name is Lee Rim of the Church of the Mission for the Coming Days. And he predicted Jesus would come on October 28, 1992. He was mistaken. Jesus didn't come and Jesus didn't return, nor did Lee Rim. He disappeared with $4.4 million from all his followers' life savings. He didn't appear either. And so on it goes and go. All these predictions, and they're all mistaken. Christ has not yet come, but make no mistake, he is coming. And notice what the scripture tells us. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then look at this. And then, somebody say then, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why are the tribes of the earth mourning? Well, they're mourning because when Jesus comes a second time, he's coming to judge. Somebody say judge. We don't like to be judged, do we? We don't like to think of judgment. We don't like to think that our actions will be judged, our thoughts will be judged, our deeds will be judged, our sins of omission will be judged, our sins of commission will be judged. We don't, we don't like to think of judgment. The first time Christ came, He came full of grace and truth every day in this age His mercies and grace are new every day because we need them every day but there's coming a day when this age will close and then will be the time of judgment and the second coming He's coming to judge that's why these, these tribes, these people of the earth they're, they're mourning because they rejected the gospel they missed Jesus they dismissed Jesus And they rejected him and his gospel. Therefore, they're going to be judged. With a judgment that has no mercy at that time. And no grace at that time. And they'll get what we all deserve. Banished from the Lord forever. And notice what it says. They will see the Son of Man. They will all see him. In other words... (laughs) We know that on that day, every knee will bow. Not some of the knees. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Every eye will see. No one will miss Christ. No one will mistake Christ. It won't be like there'll be question. There will be no person questioning the authority of Jesus. Can you imagine a day when nobody questions the authority of Christ? When nobody tries to usurp the authority of Christ? Can you imagine a day like that? When nobody's going to be confused about who Jesus is. It will be clear. It will be unmistaken. It will be obvious. And no one will be oblivious. No one. Everyone will know who Christ is. They will recognize him. They will see him. They will not miss him. They will not dismiss him. I was listening to a message a week or so back. And I heard this story about a customs officer, he observed a truck coming through the border at his station and he stopped the driver and he began to examine the truck. He tore away panels, wheel casings. He pulled the driver out, did a body search on him. They used x-ray and sonar. He just knew that this driver was smuggling something on that or in that truck. And so ultimately, he couldn't find anything, so he had to let the driver go. He let him go. Next week, same driver came through, same situation, uh, same examination, same result. No contraband found. He had to let him go. This went on every week for like 25 years. And this customs officer, he knew that this guy was smuggling something. So last week uh, that he was, or last day, Uh, The custom officer was on the job. He was retiring. His very last day, this driver comes through. He stops. The driver says, look, just to satisfy my curiosity, I can't do anything to you. This is my last day. Could you please tell me what it is you're smuggling? Because I know you're smuggling something. Could you please tell me what it is? And the driver said, sure, I've been smuggling trucks. (laughs) How obvious, right? Or either how oblivious, (laughs) Well, there will be none of that on that day. No one will be confused. No one will miss the trees for the forest or miss the forest because of the trees. They will clearly see Christ for who he is. Every eye will see him, John tells us in Revelation. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess, Paul tells us, that Jesus' coming will be unmistaken. Number four, last one. Jesus' church must awaken. we, we got to wake up, church. We just have to wake up. I, notice verse 31. And he will send out his angels and a loud trumpet call. So not only will his coming be seen, it will be heard. Both of Seen and heard. So the loud trumpet call, the angels will go out. They'll gather his elect from the four winds of, 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 of one end of heaven to the other. Now, meanwhile, what's happening? On that day, his church will be gathered. The elect will be gathered. But what's happening today? Today what is happening is God is drawing people unto himself. When Jesus is high and lifted up, when we sing about the cross, when we pray to the Lord, when we read scripture, when we preach and teach, when we call people to trust in Christ, when we have gospel conversation, when the gospel is being heard in whatever format, God is drawing people to himself. Right now, some of you are being drawn by the Lord. It may feel like somebody's just kind of gently tugging at your, at your heart strings, maybe like somebody's pulling you in kind of close, or there's a stirring going on. God is drawing you, or your mind is thinking about these things, and you're really for the first time considering, could this be true? What that is, the Holy Spirit is drawing you unto Himself. That's what He's doing. For Him to gather His elect, we have to come to know him personally. And that happens through the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the hearing, Uh, faith comes by way of hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, the gospel proclaimed, we're drawn to him, we respond to him. Here's how it unfolds, as the angels with a loud trumpet call will gather his Elect. Church, we are without excuse when it comes to pointing people to Christ. We have to let this grip our hearts. We have to let the second coming become real to us and not live as if Jesus will never return, but live as if he will return immediately. That's how we have to live. Take advantage of every opportunity God gives you to point somebody to Christ. And we're without excuse. Over 300 times in the New Testament, the second coming is mentioned. Over 300 times. 23 of the 27 books speak of the second coming. 7 out of every 10 chapters speak of the second coming. 1 out of every 25 verses speak of the second coming. Every time the first coming is mentioned, the second coming is mentioned 8 times. 8! Jesus referred to his own coming 21 times. But the truth is, if Jesus only referred to his second coming one time, we'd be without excuse to point people to him. That's what he's called us to do. Why should we call people to trust in Christ? Why should we tell them they need to get ready for his coming? Why should we introduce them to Christ? Why should we present the gospel to people in our conversation? Why should we do this? You know, this time of year is a time of year when we hear about the president... Pardoning people. He pardoned this person or pardoned that person. Or, and I'm sure when, when the president makes a decision to pardon someone, I'm sure there's some kind of paperwork involved, right? Some some kind of pardoning papers. But the gospel is so much more. And yes, Christ died. And, and, and in him and his sacrifice, yes. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Yes, he has pardoned us if you're in Christ, but the gospel is so much more than that. When God pardons you, he doesn't bring pardon papers, he shows up with adoption papers. The president doesn't adopt everybody he pardons, God does. Every single solitary one. I-, I pray that you have put your faith in Christ. Because the truth is, he's drawing you. <laughs> he wants you to be a part of his family. Jesus came to bring you back to God. He came to bring you to himself. Our, our Christmas Eve, sir, I-, I know we got a few minutes here. I think we got enough time. i, I got to share this with you about Christmas Eve our Christmas Eve service, we were online exclusively for Christmas Eve. We have never done that before. In fact, we've never, if I'm not mistaken, we have never been online on Christmas Eve. Uh, So that was a first. And after our Christmas Eve service at the Point Church, one of our musicians stopped me and he told me a story about a friend of his who lives in, in, in Germany and he met this friend several years ago. They were they were hiking, happened to be in the same spot hiking, and he met him and they started a friendship. And over that it was like a, a week long hike and they kept running into each other and just built a relationship from there. And he actually came and lived with his family for a few months. And so he began to share the gospel with his friend and his friend that lives in, in and began to share the gospel with him and they'd have good conversations and his friend was not a believer but open to hear and they had great conversations. Well, the week of Christmas, his friend reached out to him and he said, hey, I've been thinking about what you've been telling me about Jesus and I've got some questions and he shared his questions with me. He said, well, hey, look, i, I tell you what, how about you, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have Christmas Eve service online and it'd be great if you could worship with us online for Christmas Eve. And and after the service, this musician came up to me and said, he told me that story, and then he said this. He said, you know, the very question my friend was asking me is the very question that you dealt with and answered on Christmas Eve. And we didn't even talk before that. had no idea what God was doing. But God is drawing His people. That's what He does. That's what He's doing. And we need to church, it's on us. It's not on the world. It's on us, the church. We cannot continue to live as if Christ will never come again. We must live as if he's coming immediately. This same Jesus is coming immediately. The same one who came to seek and save the lost is coming again. It's not a different one. It's the same one. And he's coming the exact same way that he went up to heaven. He's coming the exact same way that the disciples saw him go into heaven. This same Jesus who turned water to wine, who walked on water, the same Jesus who healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he raised the dead, he called Lazarus, come out, the same Jesus is coming again. The same Jesus who came to call not the righteous, but sinners is coming again. The same one who came to destroy the works of the devil, he's coming again. The same one who came to give the lepers healing, to touch the leper and, and to raise those who were sick and lame and dead, this same Jesus who died on Friday and rose on Sunday, he's coming again on that day. And this same historical figure that walked this earth over 2,000 years ago, he is coming. Literally, he's coming. Visibly, he's coming. Bodily, he is coming again. Victoriously, he is coming again. Now, no event may seem less likely according to the world. I will give you that. I don't think there's any event less likely to happen according to the world than Christ's second coming. But according to the Word, there is no more certain of an event that will happen than Jesus coming again. So you've got to make a decision. Do you believe God's Word? You're going to have to decide for yourself if you believe this is truth. It doesn't matter if you believe it's truth. It is truth. If you want to escape hell and spend eternity with the Lord and live for him now abundantly and purposefully, you need to b- embrace this as truth. I want to ask you to stand with me, and I'm going to pray for us.